0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. We are kind of going through a little bit of change here at what was formerly World Endurance Chat, but we've changed the name now so that we show up in Google searches. Yeah! Um, So yeah, we're starting off a new season, um, and we're going to be changing the format of things slightly. It'll still be the same, you know, group of guys talking sports cars, but we're going to try and upload more frequently and uh, also have the episodes a little shorter so that way you're not listening to us ramble on for hours and hours and hours on end. Um, So yeah, welcome to the first episode of the year. Uh, We're going to be, of course, talking about the first major endurance race of the year, the Daytona 24 hours. And with me today, I have Chris Washer 97 and Syndrome 24. Welcome, guys. How are you? Oh,
1: man, man. Pleasure to be here. Pretty good. Pretty good.
2: How about you, Flood? How you doing?
0: I am doing super duper swell. It is the middle of summer in Australia. It is sweltering hot, and I am loving every second of it. Doesn't that just sound like hell? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It cool. does. Well, well, you're objectively wrong. Anyway, we're here to talk about sports cars, aren't we? And this is where would you rank this? The Daytona 24 Hours in the hierarchy of of uh, sports car races. It's like number two, just maybe.
2: I'd put it. Just under Le Mans and on par with the Nürburgring.
0: Ah, interesting. I, I still think it's got a little more prestige than the Nürburgring. But the problem is, of course, the fact that it's run by IMSA and therefore abides by IMSA's caution rules kind of annoys me. But still, it's I, I think it's a definite number two in the world of sports car racing.
2: I mean, it's certainly got a reputation as being one of those events that a sports car driver really, really wants to win. And because of that unique IMSA rules, it's... So much harder to win because so many more teams are in contention at the end than Mm. at a race, say like Le Mans or Nurburgring or what have you.
0: Yeah. What about you, Chris? Uh, What do you reckon?
1: Obviously, Le Mans comes first. I I grew up with this event. uh, Living in America, of course, I used to watch this on TV every single January. So I put number two.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, funny thing for me is that this event generally falls around the same time as Australia Day, Australia's national holiday. Uh, so, it's it's often, uh, it'll be me sitting down watching a uniquely American event on a uniquely Australian day. So, <laughs> it's a bit funny for me like that. But yeah, this is definitely the number two race of the year for me. And I am very keen to be watching it again because we have... An absolute bumper edition coming up this year, and we'll talk about that a little later. But firstly, we should talk about why it is the number two endurance race of the of the world. Uh, and so, so why is that, guys? Why is why is Daytona so special?
2: Well, Daytona is is frankly, it's an old race. It, it's been happening since like the '60s. So there, there's a ton of history. There's a ton of really storied drivers that have raced at this event, and just the track itself. It's so much different. Than something flat like Le Mans or something that goes through the countryside as Daytona at uh, Nurburgring, Daytona's got thirty-one degree banking. That- that's enormous. It's, so it's just so it's so different as well.
0: It's definitely unique in the world of sports cars. I can't think of any other race that GT cars ever go to that has a banking like any bank section like that. Like I, I guess maybe Indianapolis um if you use the the kind of short infield course or i
2: mean that that's one corner daytona's got like yeah. a mile and a half of banking
0: yeah and, and and of course that that banking at daytona you're taking it like 280 degr- uh, kilometers per hour or what's that like 190 miles uh... in
2: in prototypes they're pushing 200 miles per hour but gts are hanging out about 185 miles per hour yeah so it's it's pretty dang fast.
0: And compare that to the carousel, which you're taking in second year at like 100Ks or 60 miles. It's a bit different. Yeah. Um, and with
1: Daytona, as soon as you get off that infield, you're slipstreaming. Mm. Um, because at the banking, most of these most of these teams tune their cars for the banking itself because that's where, you know, most likely you're going to gain most of your positions because A, it's easier to pass, more room, and B, you could just slipstream and just you know pass guys on the inside of the chicane and whatnot. So it's definitely a unique challenge that most of these European teams, especially United Autosports and Jackie Chan Joda, are going
0: to be experiencing this year. We're talking about the banking. What about the rest of the track? I, I think, Sin, you just competed in the 24 hours of uh, the Torah, 24 hours of Daytona on Forza Motorsport. Uh, so I think I feel like you've got a a little bit of what I, I guess you'd call it virtual experience around this track
2: yeah uh, over the weekend there were 43 teams from I think like five or six different countries competing for 24 hours and uh I raced for eight of those hours and I am very familiar with how this track looks now so uh Obviously, a lot of the track is similar to the NASCAR oval, but the infield is pretty tricky. So when you're coming across the line between 185 and 200 miles per hour, you're not just going to go in the NASCAR one full speed, you have to make an extremely hard left on the brakes to go into turn one, which is a left-hand, almost hairpin, but it's very wide, and it goes from bank to flat very suddenly. So you'll look for people to have a little bit of a flat spin there as they come off the banking during the race
0: and that that point where it actually comes off the banking is right at the the hardest point of braking as well isn't it
2: yeah it's uh you're pretty much at max break you're at very very high steering angle and you suddenly go from 12 and a half degrees of banking to none so uh, it, it's tricky and then uh, after that you've got the 2a 2b complex the quick right left which leads you into the international horseshoe And if you watched this race last year, this is where Jeff Gordon punted somebody off the road accidentally in Mm. the uh, Cadillac DPI. So uh, you come out of the horseshoe, it's a slow speed corner. And if you're at the race, that is a great spot to get a flyby shot because the cars go from the lowest point in the revs all the way up through all the gears into turn four, which is a flat out left-hander, also known as the kink by a lot of people.
0: So the, the kink, just quickly on the kink, is that flat in a prototype?
2: It's completely flat in a prototype. Unless about, it's a little bit a, greasy, then you're gonna to need a to What about left a GT
0: wall. car? Are you flat in a GT car there as well?
2: In in Forza, yes, but in real life, I think it's either flat or very close to flat. But uh, it's not it's not a spot you're gonna to want to try to make a pass into because you need to go from the extreme right all the way to the left for the apex, back out to the right. And then on the exit you have to go back to the left side of the track because you've got another horseshoe coming up, the west horseshoe, that's turn five. So uh, that's another one of the slower speed corners, and then you have another huge straight shot to turn six, which takes you back from the flat onto the banking, and that's when you're going at full speed from zero degrees of banking to 31 degrees of banking very abruptly. So that's another tricky spot for the drivers to handle.
0: Mm. And I, I think one of the, the hallmarks of this event, similar to Le Mans, I guess, is that the biggest um, part about being fast of this at this track is not just having the top line speed, but also getting out of those load speed corners very quickly.
2: Yeah, you, you can lose a ton of time coming out of the corners, especially with any sort of traction control system, because... The more slip angle you've got on the car the harder it's going to want to lock it down to prevent you from spinning Mm. and uh, turn one three five and six are all really low speed corners at the apex when you go to get back on the throttle you've got to make sure that car is straightened out and then just punch it out of there
0: yeah and they're all followed by really long hard straights as well
2: yeah because when you come out of six you go into what's known as nascar one and two or turn seven on the road course and even though it's it's a pretty big corner you've still got to worry about a lot of stuff on there because you're in a sports car and they're not usually meant to be drafting each other for any prolonged period of time. So you've now got cars of different shapes and different classes going extremely fast
0: mm. on the banking. I think the different and classes thing is going to be a big deal as well.
2: Yeah, because the uh, the GTs are meant to stay low and the prototypes are meant to pass high. And if somebody forgets that, then you're going to have a bad time on the oval. Mm. Because when you come out of turn seven, you come onto the, the back straight of the of the oval...
0: And there's the bus stop. Uh, I'm sure you guys love the bus stop, right? It's one of the least favorite parts of the track for me. (laughs) When I'm I'm Uh, driving, when I'm racing it. When I'm watching, though, it is just it's crazy the kind of stuff that happens there. I think there was one point last year, if I recall correctly, you had a GTD battle for the lead, the top five or something, within like half a second. And they went three wide into the bus stop. And I think it was the person on the outside that got into the lead. But they somehow managed Mm -hmm. to squeeze through there without destroying each other
2: <laughs> yeah the the bus stop is it it rewards bravery and punishes uh and punishes pride because uh you're coming into that corner at about you know 180 200 miles per hour and you're full on the brakes and you've got to do a left a right a right and a left all very very quickly on the brakes and on the gas so uh if, if you're coming in there and you're not careful what you're going to do you're going to hit someone and if you make a mistake on the entrance, there's a nice wall there on the inside through the grass. You're gonna smack it.
1: Uh also worst case scenario, you go up in the air, go over the fence, and
0: bam you're in Lake Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I don't think that's gonna happen. Plus no. <laughs> um oh, yeah.
0: yeah, it's also a very dangerous spot if you're a GT car. And you get wrapped up by the prototypes because that's basically the the spot in the track where the prototypes are going to lose the most time following a GT car. So if you get if you get an impatient prototype driver or someone who makes a mistake or someone who's not used to racing in uh, sports cars. And we've got a few of them this weekend, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, You can get wrapped up in a massive accident. I feel like we saw that last year with the PC cars, the Starwork Autosports car, um, locked (laughs) everything up, locked everything up going into the bus stop and destroyed the the second uh, second place car. I think it was Park Place Motorsports. Um, yeah, just straight into the barriers, and like the the Porsche could do nothing. Like the the like he
2: was just a passenger.
0: Absolutely, and the, the Star Wars guys got away scot free at that point. And you know, then they retired both of their cars from the event and managed to not get a podium in a class with five cars. Because anyway, because PC. As you can very much yeah, but, tell, uh, we all miss the PC class very much. Hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but, uh, but back to the track, you, you come out of that bus stop, turn 11, the left-hander, and you're back on the oval again into turn what's known as NASCAR 3 and 4, or turn 12. And it's very much like the other set of the oval turns. It's just flat out all the way back to the start-finish line. So th- there's a lot of people will say, oh, no, it's just you're turning left. You're turning left for a long time, very, very fast, in multi-class traffic it's hmm. not as easy as you think
1: and, and go ahead chris in this tr- this track I, sh- I think i should you know mention this because there is a chance for rain on sunday oh no and oh god this this track in the rain is quite weird because y- you have your full-on wets on and but here's the thing the banking it's you know, it's the banking Water is going to run down the banking, thus it's going to make it dry faster. So you're going to have wet tires that are going to, you know, could overheat on the banking, but that you go in the infield, just normal for wet tires, you're fine. So mixed conditions is a nightmare at this place.
2: Plus, you've got the safer barrier on the outside, and the safer barrier is essentially just foam blocks with a false wall to absorb some impact, but the water gets stuck behind the safer barrier.
0: So and if it all comes that.
2: out at one time, yeah. you're gonna spin.
0: Um, we saw because we saw awful conditions at the the 24 hour last year. Um, which was I think the conditions were so bad and so cold that the, data, the the prototype cars were struggling to get their temp the tire temperature up after their pit stops to the point where for about a lap and a half they were getting passed by GTD cars, and I feel like the One of the the most heartbreaking moments of the race was Brendan Hartley coming out of the pits in the middle of this, in the lead at that point, coming out and crashing on the banking on his first lap uh, into a uh, a GTD car because he had no tire temperature and was trying to nurse the car onto the throttle and it just spun up straight away.
2: Yeah, this track just doesn't forgive you if you make a mistake, so... Mm. We always say the Nürburgring is the green hell and Bathurst is the, the car eater, but Nürburgring, is, uh, it's not exactly easy on the equipment either.
0: Daytona's not exactly easy on the equipment. Yeah, Nürburgr- uh, Daytona. Damn it. You did that twice. <laughs> you did that twice, Bad-a-ding! man. And it is, of course, the one of the major components of what's called the endurance triple crown. Of course, the other two being uh, Le Mans and Sebring, I believe. Um, before, uh, I think... What it used to be used to be the Miller Milliger Was it um, Mille Miglia? Yeah, yeah. the uh,
2: thousand mile race through Italian backcountry roads.
0: Oh, the, people in the sixties were crazy. But anyway, um, the the, the uh, some of the drivers that have graced this track and have won at this track, like, are both the best of American racing and also some of the best of world racing. I mean, the the drivers with the most wins here are. Uh, Hurley Haywood and Scott Pruitt. And Scott Pruitt, we'll talk a little bit about later, but he's been racing this track for years Four and years. For decades? Years. Huh? Yeah, decades. <laughs> Literally decades. And uh, Hurley Haywood uh, is an American driver who won this race with Porsche in the 930, 936 to start with along the likes of, you know, Jackie X and Reinhold Yost. So these are these are big names that are associated with this track. Um, and then also,
1: even- oh, let's not forget about you know the guy, unfortunately passed away lately, Dan Gurney. He won the first ever edition of this event. It was just a three measly three hour race. And how he won it was so unique. It was three minutes left in the race, about that. And he knew his car wasn't going to make it if he went another lap. So, what he did is he stopped right at the checkered flag. He made sure not to cross it. So, that checkered flag came out. Uh, He just turned his wheel to the left and went down the bank and crossed the line.
2: And you'd never be allowed to do that today for obvious safety reasons, but...
0: And also, That's how you had to do it back then. And also, they brought in a rule, not just because of that incident, but because of a few other incidents where you had to... Uh, it, this is a general rule now for endurance races, for example, like at Le Mans, where you have to do your last lap under a certain percentage of your average lap time. So that way, uh, you can't just sit at the finish and turn the car down the banking or just put it across the line after the time's finished to get classified. Which we ran into a few years ago with the, the Toyota... Uh, Toyota problems at, right at the end of the race. Um, speaking of Toyota, Dan
1: Gurney would also win again 1993 as a team owner, the All-American Eagle Toyota Racing Team.
2: And that car actually still holds the lap record on the uh, the sports car course, a 133 875 by PJ Jones. That's... For reference, I think they were in the 35s uh, at the Roar.
0: Ooh, so we could actually legitimately see a brand new lap record at Daytona. I
2: doubt it because the cars today have a lot less power than uh, they used to.
0: This is true, but the right. the change in aerodynamic efficiency is something that you know, like if we're saying that they're, they're doing a 35 at the raw, there's no reason to say they couldn't do a 35 in happy hour or at, in the event, right?
2: That's true. I mean, well, uh, I have the results up. The fastest lap from the roar in prototype was a 35.8 by Felipe Nazar. And that was in the Cadillac, which just got nerfed. Oh, and yeah. uh, that was in the qualifying session. So I doubt we'll see anything in thirty fours, low thirty fives, probably, but not close to that
0: lap record for at least another year. Yeah, uh, we should talk about the qualifying session at the Raw. Why the Roar is a test session? Why do they have a qualifying?
1: Well, they had the qualifying because, of course, in testing in Lamar and Daytona, sandbagging issues do arise. And they made this qualifying session to try to get rid of the sandbagging just a little bit. And what the, se- what the qualifying session, you know, has to offer is that if you do your fastest time, you get the fastest time. You get, you know, your most. So you get like the preferred garage, the preferred pit stall, etc. And IMSA thought that was a good idea to try to, you know, entice teams to not sandbag at the road this year.
2: Yeah and uh, they were actually penalizing people by taking away practice times for sandbagging. I know uh, Mike Shank lost an entire session and I forget what other team but they also lost an entire practice session for Core Auto Sport also got bat, pinged for not going as fast as they could.
0: That's really but yes. ridiculous. I'll, I love so, that they've done that because sand, yeah as as you said Chris sandbagging is a thing that happens at test session and it is trying to deceive the organizers. And we have already seen uh, a BOP changes and B complaints about BOP changes and sandbagging throughout the last few weeks since the raw. So it's it's a it's a zero sum game. You can't win whether or not you make changes or you don't make changes. Someone's always going to be unhappy, which is and annoying. Yeah, the
1: reason, and the reason IMSA has this system, you know, that they can ping people for not going their fastest. Um, is because they have live telemetry of all the cars that's going around so they can tell when the car's not doing their best they have you know charts that they can me- use to measure um, so it's not just like they don't like going out of a train of thought or a guessing game they have the charts they have the research and they have you know the actual live tele uh, telemetry to actually make sure that everyone's going their fastest and if they're going pretty slow they get pinged
2: Yeah, and they also have uh, some pretty advanced uh, simulations going off of how they, uh, like the boost tables and stuff. If you look at the BOP, they actually regulate how much boost the turbo has to have at a certain rev range. So IMS is really on top of the ball here, and I applaud them for actually dinging cars that need a ding.
0: Mm, It's good on them. And I, uh, like, we've seen it in, for example, I think it was last year or the year before, where they took away all of the results from a particular manufacturer for sandbagging preview before the event and changing basically not showing their full hand um this was 2016 of lamborghini i don't think they took away the results I'm-
2: they took away their qualifying times because the uh restrictors were out of spec on the lambos yeah. but something happened where it wasn't like ma- possible to manufacture to what imsa wanted so okay. they didn't get a full disqualification but they did get some sort of penalty
0: the one thing I do hope, though, with this uh, BOP update is that we get a bit more of a competition at the top of the field than we did last year. So last year, the results went to Cadillac because they brought the best package. And, you know, I was saying that in the pre- lead-up to the event and the post of the event, they just brought the best package for the DPI regs. They were the one that were developing at the longest. They had the longest lead time, the most investment. And, of course, they were going to win because they put in... The The effort to to do so, Um, but that ruffled a lot of feathers up and down the field because there there was the um, the note from IMSA said that they were going to balance the DPIs against the best of the LMP2 field, and what we saw from the times from that event is that that wasn't quite what happened. The Cadillacs were about half a second to three quarter of a second faster at their peak speed and able to maintain it longer than even the best of the lmp twos and of course this was when this was also the lmp twos first race so they were struck by electrical problems and you know it was pissing down with rain and so that didn't help it things um, but I do hope that with the balanced performance tables uh, that we do get a better race up the front because holy crap guys we have 20 yes 20. LMP2 slash prototype DPI cars, 20! What?
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's, uh, as
0: a, uh, that's a crazy size.
2: And it, It's not only 20 cars, it's four different chassis as well, which is awesome. We, we've got mm. the not necessarily the full-spec LMP2, but we've got Dallara chassis, Ligier chassis, Orica chassis, and a Riley.
0: And a single Riley, yeah. But and to, on top of that as well, we have... Uh, what is it now four manufacturers we have the Cadillac DPI the Nissan DPI the Mazda DPI and now we have an Acura which is now being run by Penske we've got some of the biggest names in sports cars at this track in DPI like they're not going to the WEC at the moment they're coming to DPI and to America to race in this series and the quality of the field is just insane
1: and the irony of Penske with an Acura team is that they had a Porsche LMP2 in the American Le Mans Series days, and th- their main rival in that class were Acuras.
0: <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's kind of funny because uh, down under in Australia, the Penske team runs one of the Ford teams uh, with Dick Johnson Racing, a uh, very famous, long-standing team in V8 Supercars, and their main rivals are uh, GM is Holden. So <laughs> it's kind and of then in is-
2: NASCAR. Penske runs the Fords, and in IndyCar, Penske runs
0: Chevrolet. <laughs> so, so Penske's just really just a motorsport whore. He'll just go with everyone. Anyone who can get him a win. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um. But, but yeah, so on top of uh, Penske running the Acura program, um, they're running the only uh, Orica-based DPI car, because um, Orica didn't have a DPI car last year, uh, and... They have brought along into that team um, some of their IndyCar talents in the likes of uh, Juan Pablo Montoya and Simon Pagano uh, Castro Neves as well, and uh, Ricky Taylor, who's been uh, taken from the Wayne Taylor racing team.
2: Yeah, Ricky, I think, had a hard time making that choice. But, uh, I mean, if if, t- if any team's going to take you away from your dad, it's it's, it's going to be Penske.
0: Yeah, so Plus, like, on, on one hand, Ricky you're leaving Taylor. the family team. the that- that you race with your brother under management from your dad. But on the other hand, Penske, a factory Penske team.
1: And plus you got action former Action Express racing driver Dane Cameron, uh, Graham Rahal's there as well. And uh, Ricky Taylor, uh, it's been known that he kind of wants to get an IndyCar drive. So this might be uh, the first step towards it.
0: And, and when you look at all things considered, that's a pretty smart decision if he's looking to get into IndyCar. Um, so, uh, yeah, in the, in that team, the, this team fielded one car at uh, Petit Le Mans, just a just standard Orica at that point, with Montoya, Castro Neves, and was it Pagano in that car yeah, as well? Pagino, yeah, um, it was Pagano. yeah. But you look outside the Penske team as well, you have Joost... Coming back to Daytona with Mazda and bringing along with him the likes of, you know, uh, bringing up Harry Tinknell and uh, Rene Rast and Oliver Jarvis to add to the the likes of Tristan Nunez, uh, John Bomarito and Spencer Piggott, who have been um, drivers for that program. Maybe not Piggott, but uh, Nunez and Bomarito definitely were driving in that program previously. So we're going to have Rene Rast at Daytona. That's awesome. Um, in a prototype Uh, United Autosports are coming with two cars with some big name drivers uh, we should talk about those drivers for example we have in one car uh, uh, Phil Hansen uh, who is the um, I feel like he's the, the he's the, the money man he's the money man he's the United Autosports guy um, uh, and on top of that you have Lando Norris and the big name for this year's edition the big star Fernando Alonso like
2: what? <laughs> yeah, Alonso has been uh, trying to get his foot in a lot of the other major races in the world. Like I know he did a uh, Indy 500 last year with Andretti. Mm. He's trying to do Le Mans this year with Toyota and uh, TBD on that one. But uh, I, th- I, I feel like Alonso he- to Daytona confirmed.
0: He really does want to do the triple crown. I feel like he wants the triple crown. I feel like he's kind of given up on f- not not that he's given up on Formula One, but that uh, he's expanding his focus outside of just being an F1 driver. So he's just got to win the other two now. Well, yeah, he's just got to win the other two. Just, as, as yeah. if it was that easy. Um, and Interestingly,
2: yeah. one of the only other drivers who could still get the Triple Crown is Montoya because he's won the Indy 500 in the 90s. He's won the Monaco Grand Prix with Williams. And he just needs to go to Le Mans. Mm-hmm
0: and i feel i kind of feel like brendan hartley might take a slight at uh at the the triple crown i mean he's racing an f1 and he could end up at indy maybe someday <laughs> This is, all, this is all crazy speculation. Anyway, but uh, Alonso's not the only F1 talent that we've uh, got in this in this field. Um, of, of course, we've talked about Juan Pablo Montoya, who, who raced in the early 2000s with the likes of Williams and McLaren. Uh, we've also got the likes of Bruno Senna, Paul DeResta, Lance Stroll. Um, Brendan Hartley. Brendan Hartley, yeah. Uh, all Unfortunately, F1 he's F1 not draft.
1: here this weekend.
0: Yeah, um, I couldn't make it work, which is a real shame. Yeah. Um,
1: Probably because of the Honda-Nissan
0: thing. Of course, um, they- Honda is powering the uh, Toro Rosso cars next year, or well, this mm-hmm. year.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Aw, I'm sad now. Mm. And not, uh, important note, this won't be Lance Stroll's first start.
2: Yep, he raced in a Ganassi Ford DP and promptly stuffed it in Turn 5 uh, last time he raced.
1: 2015. Yeah,
2: he went out and straightened the wall. Was that his first lap? Uh it was pretty uh, close to the beginning, yeah.
1: Was it? I thought it was pretty late in the
0: race.
2: Well, I think it was like at the beginning of his stint. Okay. Either way, he 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 didn't last very long in the car.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So, United Autosports running the Ligier. Ligier hasn't been renowned as being the fastest in a straight line, so we'll see how they do, Um, but their driver lineup is obviously going to win them a lot of fans. uh, another big name team coming over from Europe is uh, Jackie Chan DC Racing uh, with Yoda Sport, who are bringing along, as I said, uh, as I mentioned already, Lance Stroll. Um, but uh, on top of that, uh, the likes of Felix Rosenquist and Robert Freins, um, which I feel like that's his first um, prototype drive, maybe? Yeah, I think that's about it. It's either, yeah, I, think, I think it is as well. I think it's his first top. Um, sorry, his first top-class prototype drive. I, he may have driven an LMP2 at Le Mans, not last year, but the year before, if my memory serves nope. me correctly. Nope. He's never driven a prototype. Well, there you go. It's his first driving a prototype. So I'm excited for that because friends is one of my favorite drivers. Um, and we know that Jackie Chan DC are going to operate a, a, a very good team if they're going to be run by Yoda. Um, and the other car has um, the uh, WEC... Um, the yeah the more WEC team of Hoping Tongue, Alex Brundle, uh, Antonio Felix de Costa, and a silver driver who I've never heard of before, Ferdinand Hats- Habsburg Lothringen. Is that how you uh, Well, hey, that's bro.
2: not. I, I, that's actually not his uh, his full complete name. Uh, it's dog. actually You're a bit longer. This, than that.
1: that's
2: longer. His, his name is uh, Ferdinand Zvamanir Maria Abaltus Keith Michael Otto Antal Vanum Leonard von Habsburg colloquially known as Ferdinand Habsburg,
1: he is a European Formula Three driver, and if you if you watched the Macau Grand Prix in 2017, has heartbroken as he crashed in the last lap um,
0: while leading the race. Yep, that's actually pretty crap. I am sorry that I asked about that now, but still, that's pretty good pickup um, for for Jackie Chan JC um, when you're pairing him with Brundle, Hoping Tongue, and Antonio Felix the Costa.
2: Yeah, this is actually a really, really solid squad to bring over because uh, Brundle has been sensational in the prototypes the last few years. Hope and Tongue has, has found his niche in the prototypes, and Costa is just
0: fast in everything. Niche. It's not niche. Um, so that's now two big-name Amer- uh, European teams coming across to compete in the 24 hours of Daytona with four cars between them that's a, a kind of scary prospect to to witness because i am that's just going to be super exciting but we still haven't even talked about some of the other uh cars in this field that are going to be on on t- like top tier in terms of looking for the race win like i mean you've got uh, the ESM team uh, who uh, features Scott Sharp and Oliver pla in one car and what Johannes van overbeck Pipo Durani Nikolai Lapierre in the other car you've got Dwayne Taylor racing um, bringing in Renga van der Zander to replace uh, <laughs> Ricky Taylor uh, Jordan no yes Ricky Taylor um, you've got the um, Action Express car guys who were right in the hunt for it last year until that late race contact Um You know, there's just quality up and down the field. And one of the cars that I'm really excited to see, which might come out a little bit of left field, is the Core Autosport car. Um, Mm. Core, of course, uh, stepping up from GTD to PC, then back to GTD, then now to prototype um, with a Orica LMP2 car uh, featuring um, Colin Brown and Jonathan Bennett, who were their two drivers for the pc class when they were running in that and roman dumas and loic duval yeah yeah that that's a team <laughs> that's a team
2: i i think i hope i hope for their sake that they do the whole put your your slow guy in under yellow for one lap trick that he ascended with that uh, anymore
0: you can't they mandated the uh... two hour minimum but I mean, like you—you okay, you, you get the two hours out of the way early in the race, and just let your plat- platinums do it. Because I mean, the—the the caution rules are set up so that way you can do that. Because it, they just bring you back into the game. Yeah,
2: but um, just imagine that you're calling Braun. He, he's a fast driver in his own right, but he, he now gets to share a car with two of the most like known names in prototype racing. Two bracing.
0: world endurance that's champions. Gotta cool champions.
2: That's got to be so cool for him.
1: I mean, hell I mean, yeah. He, 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 Braun is pretty versatile as well. He won races in NASCAR trucks. Uh, he's been racing global rallycross lights recently. So, I mean, he's pretty much accustomed to anything he could put his hands on.
0: It's going to be really exciting to see that. Uh, another thing I'm really excited to see is the merger between, I think it's uh, JDC Miller Motorsports and uh, Gainsco. Uh, who are now going to be bringing two cars to the Daytona 24 Hours? One, the famed banana boat of last season, and the second car, a rebirth of the Red Dragon. We're going to see the Red Dragon so, back at Daytona. That's oh, yeah, so, so cool. The,
1: the Red Dragon is basically has been run by uh, Bob Stallings Racing, but Bob Stallings Racing, as an operation, has called it quits, but Gangsco um, decided hey, we're gonna, we want to still sponsor cars. So, they're still going to sponsor, sponsor cars, but without having like a full team operation.
2: And uh, Bob Stallings had actually offered uh, Mamo Ghibli, and I'm sure if uh, everybody knows the story of Memo, the driver who was critically injured in a crash with uh, Manny Melicelli in 2014. The, the last but,
0: time the Red Dragon raced at Daytona.
2: Yeah, it, it scared Bob Stallings so much, he just quit prototypes for a few years, but... Uh, he offered Mamo Gidley a drive in the uh, in the 99, or sorry, the 85 Red Dragon, but uh, Gidley was unable to take it up as he had business commitments during. It's the...
0: Uh, it is the 99. Dragon. That's going to be the Red Dragon. Um, the 85, oh, right. the 85 is the Banana Boat, and they're retaining yep. a lot of their drivers from last year, but uh, a few interesting ones uh, to jump into that. Uh, Austin Sindrick has moved from the Lexus team into that car. Um, uh, that's of course son of Tim Sindrick.
2: Yep, fancy Racing uh, competition guy.
0: Yep. He's also racing in the
1: Cana Sports Car Challenge race the Friday before.
0: Nice. So, good experience there. Uh, and um, Gustavo Menezes fills out the, the Red Dragon team. Um, of course, the 2016 LMP2 WEC champion. And
2: uh, also surprised a lot of people with just his raw pace at the Petit Le Mans in uh, October of last year. I, I was there. He was fast.
0: Yeah, so uh, well, I mean, he, he, knows, he should fit in very well here. He knows these cars inside and out. Basically, he ran another season with the Alpine last year, and I think finished third in the championship. Um, they didn't quite have the pace to push uh, JCDC and Rebellion right at the end, but they were consi- the the consistent car of the year and picked up a very solid third place in the championship. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be great to see uh, the Red Dragon back at Daytona after a few years out of the mix um so i feel like now is the time where we've got to somehow turn this all around to make make some sort of picks or some sort of predictions so what 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 do you guys think can you even pick uh, we'll give you five cars pick five cars out of those 20 to fill the five top five positions
1: i don't think that makes it any easier flood
2: (laughs) Uh, i'm normally the guy that spits out three cars instantly but uh it, the field is too deep. You, yep. you can't pick.
0: And, and this is like discounting the drivers and teams we haven't talked about yet. We haven't talked about the number 31 Action Express car which has Felipe Nassier, uh, Mike Conway, Eric Curran and Stuart Middleton in it. We haven't talked about the performance, tech, uh, performance Tech Motorsport car which is uh, a car stepping up from PC. We haven't talked about PR1 Matheson featuring the likes of Gustavo, Gustavo Yacquaman and Roberto Gonzalez. Uh, the Uh, 2016 LMP2 runner-up. You know we haven't talked about a lot of these cars yet, but there's still so much quality that we have talked about. How do you pick anyone at this point?
1: Well, one thing for sure is that nobody's gonna pick the Bar One Riley car. Well, I mean, if nothing else, yeah, the Bar One car. You see, many people say that the PC class is dead, but the pace of that car, (laughs) (laughs) may...
0: It may, it may prove people wrong, and I mean with that driver lineup as well. Mass I heard driver say Brendan that. Gaughan, homie Dreese.
2: Hey, Brendan Gaughan's a pretty cool dude. I, I hope he, he is does a well. cool dude.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. Still though, we're still at a pick five. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and look to the Raw the the test session of the Raw, and I saw that Cadillacs were super fast. So I'm gonna uh, place my money on a Cadillac winning. So. Uh, even though they got slowed from the, the BOP since the Raw, I still feel like the Cadillacs are going to be the way to go. So I will, I, I, am looking at that number 10 car. I feel, I still feel like the number 10 is going to be, um, the car to beat the reigning champion of the season, the reigning champion of this race. Um, it's, they, they're going to be the ones for me that I would put as number one. From there, though, uh, it, I guess it depends on how the PC, car, oh, sorry, the the DPI's match up against the LMP2s. Because I feel like you could throw in the number twenty two, you could throw in the number six or the number seven. You could throw in so the number twenty two is Tequila proton ESM, the number six and seven the Tupensky cars. You could throw in the United Autosports cars. I mean, all of those drivers could win a race, uh, could win this race if the cards fell right. Um, the, the, the thing I'm concerned about, though, is that I don't know how much development uh, have they've achieved with, say, the Mazda or with the, the Penske or the Acura or with the Nissan. That's the thing, because these are kind of independent from the LMP2 development cycle. So I'm not sure if you if you had to make me choose i'd i'd say 10 22 the 6 um and then i start to get lost
2: <laughs> well as you've been trying to think of what you'd you'd say I, I think i've got a decent idea here i'm going to throw in the uh, call me crazy but the 99 the red you're dragon you're crazy you're crazy yep I'm going to throw in the 37, the uh, JCDC car. Yep. I'm going to throw in the 10 because obvious. Yeah. You got to always go with Wayne Taylor. Uh, I think Penske might uh, have both cars in at the end. So both Penske cars. And that's what I'm going to say. 6, 7, 10, 37,
0: 99. That's brave. Mm-hmm. That's leaving out the United Auto Sports cars and the both ESM cars as well. I'll leave me alone. I know what I do. What about you, Chris? I say the 31 has a pretty
1: strong driver lineup. I mean, Felipe Nasser did set up that fast slap in that qualifying session. Also, Stuart Middleton, he won the Sunoco William Challenge this year. Uh, British GT4 champion, radical European Masters champion. And the Sunoco William Challenge doesn't produce bad drivers because guess who was the last winner of that challenge? Johnny Adams. So I have faith in that 31 team. Going to take it all the way to the checkered flag for that first place. Um, I'm going to pick I'm number 10, yeah. Wayne Taylor for second. Uh, I think number 22, uh, the ESM is going to go for the final spot on a podium. Red Dragon for fourth. And um, number 78, Jackie Chan DC Racing for fifth.
0: So, okay, I understand that the Red Dragon has a pretty high emotional calling card amongst the American sports car community, but I don't see the lineup. I mean, I I, I, I was impressed last year with Goikberg and Simpson. They did a fantastic job and they could, I feel like they could poach a race win this this year, but I don't see that happening at Daytona. I don't see them having the quality to close it out at Daytona. So why do you guys, why are you guys picking it in your top five?
2: Well, I, I can speak, at least from my own opinion, that you, growing up watching the uh, the, the Grand Am series, LMS, and now continuing on into the, the IMSA Sanction series, the, the Red Dragon, just they always seem like just an honest team, and I really hope that they have success, especially given that, I know NASCAR fans will dread this, but the word adversity needs to be said. That team has been through hell, or at least Bob Stallings, the team owner, has mm. been through hell. So if that team could could pull through a good result, that would just be awesome. And and, and for looking those... at the actual drivers, the drivers are good. They're not like the big names in the field, but they proved that you could fight for a win without having the ultimate best drivers in the field.
0: I gotta say, I gotta say actually. Based on their results last season, they were the team that surprised me the most, and that I was most impressed by in the prototype class. Because I wasn't expecting big things from them stepping up from the PC class and uh, jumping into an Orica 07, and you know maybe not having the experience in the team or in the drivers to really take it to the top guys. But from like I think it was Watkins Glen onwards, they were one of the top runners for the year. I was super impressed. Yeah,
2: like they have decent momentum to work from. So I, I don't think it's unreasonable to see a good result from them.
0: Mm. Now, and whether
2: they can do that for 24 hours as opposed to three or six hours, that's another question.
0: Yeah. um, So I think I've decided on the last two to round out my top five. Um, so I've already mentioned the 10 and the 22 and the six. To add to that, I'm going to put the 31 car, the Wheeling Engineering Cadillac, and to just tie it off, I am going to go... Um, see, I thought I decided, but obviously I haven't. Um, I'm going to go the number 77 Ghost uh, Mazda. I feel like they are going to be the top five cars at the end of the race, probably, maybe a little bit.
2: As long as the engine <laughs> doesn't lose the battle of engine versus fireball, I think they have a shot.
0: <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, the it, And you know... In you know half a week's time, we're going to be absolutely completely wrong again because we always are. Um, Just quickly though, um, you have we've talked a fair bit about the uh, the Red Dragon, um, how the the team's gone through hell since their uh, crash at Daytona. If you haven't seen this crash, I will warn you, it's not for the faint of heart. Because uh, did they red flag the race after this Uh, after that incident?
2: I know there was a safety car, because there there needed to be a safety car. They red flagged
0: it. Yeah, so this was in the old Daytona prototypes just after the merger. Was it just after, or just before?
1: 2014, the first year. The first First year, year. first race.
0: So these cars were not exactly the safest that they could have been at this point in time, and it was a horrifying incident. Um, where uh, I think it was just out of the International Horseshoe, um, the there was a slow Ferrari on the on the straight. Uh, the prototype was coming around, got blindsided while trying to pass another car, and hit it at basically full speed. So I, I suggest if you haven't seen it that uh, you have a look at it, but be prepared; it is not for the faint of heart. I, um, just- I
2: honestly, th- I honestly thought Mamo Ghibli was dead. I really thought he was dead.
0: Yes, it was. It was one it of was those at accidents at. that you you see, and your heart just jumps out of your chest. Uh, um, it, it was, yeah, it was it terrifying. Was scary. To yeah, definitely. Um, so for them to 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 be brave enough to come back and to to get back into racing again, because that that stopped their season. They they didn't race again after that. They were one race into the season and they quit. So.
1: Then, recently, they came in the Prolly World Challenge with a McLaren GT, then switched to Porsche, now, first time into the Prototypes.
0: So, yeah, I, 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 I hope they do well, um, but just not well enough to ruin my picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, moving on now, uh, I, th- I feel like we've talked about uh, as much about Prototype as we can um, without you know repeating ourselves, so we'll go to GTLM. Uh, so, GTLM and nine-car field, so the smallest class in the race, but a class that's definitely not devoid of quality. Uh, the GTLM race will be, is it going to be the, de- the debut of the mate? Is it going to be a de- the debut of the mate? It is. The mate, so, you mean? Yes, the, the mate, Australia's favourite car. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> It's, so, so BMW are debuting their new GTE slash GT Le Mans car, the BMW M8, um, which has been in testing for the past six or seven months, I think. Um, livery on that car looks fantastic, uh, which is very good considering last year they had an art car which was dumb. Um, it said "fast" on it. It, it was not fast. <laughs> Plot it was twist. the word it was "fast." Not fast. <laughs> um. But otherwise, we see the same, the usual suspects back again. We see uh, Corvette Racing with the same two teams from last year. We see uh, Risi Competizione with a, a a crazy lineup from Reezy competition Competizione. Uh, we've got two cars from Ford as opposed to the four from last year or the three from last year, and the two 911s um, from Porsche. So similar sort of field, but there has been a few shuffles in the driver lineup. Um, and I think the two biggest ones for me is. Conor DeFilippi um, stepping up from a Audi factory GT3 car into the BMW GTLM program, um, and uh, Jimmy Bruni making his uh, first race at Daytona in a Porsche. Yeah,
2: the Bruni thing can't be overstated because that guy is so fast, and uh, having him Actually being allowed to race now is really, really cool.
0: So so we should explain why Jimmy Bruni wasn't allowed to race last year at Daytona.
2: All right, so um, Bruni was a Ferrari factory driver and decided he didn't want to be a Ferrari factory driver anymore with the implied goal of getting a P1 drive. So what he did was he asked to switch from Ferrari to Porsche and Ferrari didn't want this to happen because he's their guy, he's fast. They didn't didn't want they didn't want to be racing against him basically. So and Ferrari he, he, said, "All right, fine. You can buy out of your contract and we won't let you race in the WEC until after Le Mans."
0: Uh, it won't, won't let you race in any competition to after Le Mans and not in the WEC for 2017. They were the conditions.
2: Yeah, and, and he was, you know, not happy about this, but he he did it. And uh after Le Mans, he started racing with Vantor and Emsa, and they kicked ass.
0: They did. Um, but of course, now the problem is that Porsche's LMP1 program doesn't exist.
2: So he may have uh, scribbled himself there.
0: And and the thing that was the, the weirdest thing for me was that six months prior to this all going down, he had signed a five-year contract with Ferrari.
2: So now they think, all right, we've got our fast guy for five years. Awesome. Just kidding.
0: basically yeah um so so at
2: the time we thought ferrari were just being you know dicks about it but in their defense it makes sense
0: it it, yeah it does and um as we as we said transition from jimmy bruni at ferrari to jimmy bruni at porsche is one of the biggest poachers in gt racing in the last five ten years like i think he's i think the other big
2: one would be macky vicky from aston to porsche
0: yeah, Porsche just seemed to find a way to attract good drivers all the time. And like he is probably in the top 5 GT drivers in the world at the moment. I, I don't know who else the other top five who else is in the top 5, but he's the maybe the one name you can absolutely point to and say he would be in the top 5 of any he would he would win in any car in GT in any competition. You can point to Jimmy Bruni and know that you you will get a race win from him in any car, um, because what that does now is that means that the Porsche lineups are Pele Tandy Marawiki, or Makoviki, and Vantor Bamber Bruni. Is there a weak link? So there you go. There's no weak link. No. <laughs> they are is... strong in everything. There, there's no weak link in that team. If that if that Porsche doesn't win this race or at least podium, I'm gonna be so disappointed with life. But I mean you look at you look at the likes of Reese, Recy. now Reese's team is arguably better. <laughs> yeah, like-
2: Chris, you wanna weigh in on Reese?
0: Um
1: one of the strongest lineups in the field I do agree, and uh, one of the better looking cars in my opinion. Boo <laughs>
0: You get um, out man, of here yeah. with that Ferrari filth. No, I actually at, love the Ferrari
2: 488. At, at the risk of dismissing Ricci, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Ricci is going to bring their A game at uh, Daytona, and even more this year because they're not running the full season. This is their this is their race.
0: Are they running the NAEC or just Daytona? As far
2: as I'm aware, they have not submitted an NAEC or a de- or a uh, full-season premium entry. They're just doing race-by-race race so far.
0: This is very interesting. It's very interesting indeed. We should talk about the driver lineup, though, just quickly, because you have Tony Vialander, Alessandro Pierguidi, James Collado, and Davide Rigon. That's drivers, some good stuff, man. Drivers just don't come much better than that. Yeah, because in this team you have the two, well, the, the world champions from the WEC, uh, the two world champions in Pier Guidi and James Collado. You add to that David A. Regan, who was the sister car, which went on to secure the manufacturer's championship for Ferrari, and then you have Tony Vilander, who has probably been the best Ferrari GT3 driver of the past twelve months. Um, with the hallmark being his monster stint at Bathurst where he was setting qualifying laps a second and a half faster than the rest of the field for an hour and a half on an old set of tires in traffic on Bathurst.
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, <laughs> and ba- Bathurst has the, the elevation change, which is where Verlander was really getting everyone, but daytona has got the banking and the transition from the banking is not unlike the Forest Elbow at a Bathurst in turn uh, turn one at least.
0: Again, though, Forest uh Forest Elbow is um the last part of coming down the hill. I think you I think you mean Mountain Straight, Griffin's Bend. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's what I'm referring see, to. The thing is Griffin's Bend you take third gear of 120 140 Ks per hour, so like 60 uh, 80 miles, 80 90 miles. Um uh banking again Two hundred and eighty kilometers per hour slash two hundred miles per hour. There's a little difference, uh, uh, so it'll it'll be. I think my pick for GT GT Mon has to come from either Porsche or Recy, uh or Ford. There there are two reasons why. Well, I'll go through the reasons why I don't think the BMWs or the um or uh, Corvette are in with a shot. So the BMWs unless that MA comes out of the box flying it we just haven't seen from BMW the sort of pace that we would expect from a team of that quality um, and Corvette are now running an eight-year-old chassis uh, so those but the thing is the thing is of course you expect these teams to be competitive I mean Corvette a few years ago they won one two separated by thirty four thousandths of a second ahead of the entire field. Um, last year we had the top four drive top four cars, uh, four different manufacturers separated by five seconds. So yeah, I, I I would expect my number one car would be maybe the 912, but again, you can't discount the Fords uh, because they've won it the last two years and like their driver lineups are just quality so someone help me please yep. <laughs>
2: I, I think the gtlm is gonna the reese team is gonna have extra incentive to do well in this race it, not that they wouldn't normally but this may be their only outing for the year so Reese is going to be really really invested in bringing it home and just for that reason i think they're going to drive maximum pace possible so uh, i i would put the win in safely in the hands of Reese. Oh, also totally not a ferrari fanboy Um, of course not i i also think that the fords are going to be very very strong at this race just because they were actually mandated to run a five degree rear wing which means the car was too fast in a straight line so imsa slowed it down now giving them more rear wing slows them down to straight but also speeds them up in the corners so I think the forward's is going to be really strong at the race, but there's
0: not that many corners. The only corner where a high downforce, there's two corners where a higher downforce uh, application sort of comes into it. And that's the kink and the bus stop. I don't think. Well,
2: no, uh, turn one because you got the braking with the transition. Uh, turn five because you're coming out of the kink flat out, um, and then you have the bus stop and uh, the kink. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean i guess the added downforce does add to rear stability which in that section turn five and turn one does help it out but i i still think any sort of addition to the uh like mandated addition to the arrow is going to hamper their chances slightly but of course they have the advantage of being ridiculously good on fuel to like biblical levels that is true what about you chris what do you reckon
1: I'm going to put the win on the Fords here because the Fords, uh, they have the momentum from last year. Um, Porsche and Risi will give them a good fight, but I do believe Ford will pull out in the end. With the BMW situation, we're going to see the same thing that happened the uh, the first year of the Ford GT. You know, the race of Daytona, they had the plethora of problems, and within the year they started winning races, I think the BMW M8 is going to be just like that. Daytona, they're going to have lots of problems on their hands. Lots of teething issues, but once the season gets going for WEC and IMSA, they're going to start to get their feet under their under the ground and uh, or get the feet get their feet under them and uh, hopefully maybe knock off a few podium finishes.
0: So we've we've actually picked a different team for for the for the win. Has this ever happened before? Uh... in GTD, we've all picked three completely different teams as winners. You mean GTLM? GTLM, sorry uh it may have but i don't know <laughs> we'll see who's right it'll probably be none of us let's be real here yeah. <laughs> yeah in before you if, if, fin-
2: if, if the finish is anything like last year with five cars within like 10 seconds i'm gonna be a happy man
0: so that i can definitely get behind yeah yeah usually gt Lamar balance performance is pretty spot on hmm So we should move on to the next class, the GTD class. So this is the largest class in the field at 21, so just edging out the prototypes. Uh, And again, for a Pro-Am class, this is probably one of the widest and best uh, fields that we've got um, for any Pro-Am category around the world. Um, The numbers are a bit down from last year, but of course, last year you didn't have 20 prototypes.
2: Well, I mean, you say you say the numbers are down, but there's still 21 cars, there's which is incredible. There's still
0: 21 cars.
2: Oh no, the numbers are down to a full F1 ace. When you
0: put <laughs> like, it, when you put it in those terms,
2: yeah, like there's nothing to complain about here. But uh, um, yeah, this there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, international flavor and a lot of uh, American muscle in this field.
0: Yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, I mean, we've got. For the first time, teams from... Uh, sorry, not from the first time. What am I saying? We've got teams uh, featuring uh, Lamborghini, Audi, Mercedes, Ferrari, Porsche, and BMW, um, which are, and Lexus which and are you, European flavor. But then, of course, yeah, the Lexus and the Acura, who are definitely set in America. But I mean, the, the BMW team is Tur- Turner Motorsports, which is a very uh, American unit. Um, and with new Liqui
1: Mali colors, too. I oh, love the, the look so of that car.
0: I yeah love turner's
2: that. actually doing a, a contest on their uh their twitter page where if you email them a digital recreation of the Liquimali livery they will send their favorite entry a turner motorsports uh shirt i believe so i uh, wish
0: i had any con- sort of art talent <laughs> <laughs> yeah d-
2: definitely consider checking that out it's always cool when the teams try to engage like that
0: hmm Um, some other big news, uh, in this class in terms of teams, um, we have the return of Magnus Racing after their, uh, win of this race two years ago, uh, followed by their, they basically rage quit the series, uh, on, uh, officiating grounds towards the end of the series, didn't they?
1: Yep. And Curly World Challenge wasn't much better, so it's like, yeah, Ims is the worst of two evils.
2: better the enemy you know than the enemy you don't.
0: And yep. better having the races with such a level of prestige as well, because um, Bangus Racing is a team that I've always liked, even when they crossed from Porsche to Audi. Uh, they were racing Porsches, right? I didn't just make that up. Yep. Good. Um, so, I because I'm not really an Audi fan, let's be real here. So, the fact that they went from Porsche to Audi and I still like them a lot uh, is... Uh, it means it means a lot to me to have them back. I'm very happy to see them. Um, it, it's, it's always nice when you can root for your favorite team and not feel bad about it. Yeah, and especially with a driver like Marcus Winkelhock behind the wheel. I met Marcus Winkelhock at Bathurst last year, and we like we kept running into each other in the paddock. It was like I was like the one fan that he kept seeing and kept interacting with. So uh, like he's he's a good dude. I like Marcus Winkelhock. Go Marcus Winklehawk Mar-
1: Marcus Winkelhock is like racing sixty hours. Or doing 60 hours worth of racing within a month. He did 24 hours of Dubai with BWT Mukka Racing, 24 hours of Daytona, and then 12 hours of Bathurst. And also, we're missing the biggest piece of information from Magnus is that their stream is gonna be back.
0: Yes! Magnus- yes!
1: Magnus after dark!
0: I love the yes! Magnus stream! Um so so for those who don't know, the Magnus team stream is basically Let's just Banter like idiots for twenty four hours. <laughs> I, I John Heckman,
1: yeah. Ryan sleep Magnus Racing employees. I I
0: anybody think anybody else I can get. I think last year, like, because uh, the year that they um. The, the last shoot they did at 2016, they had, they, like, was just like, hey, Jordan Taylor, come, come sit with us and chat while you're sick, and that sort of stuff. And then coming towards the end of the race, the excitement, the tension and the excitement from that team as they made the pass for the win was just awesome to watch. Uh, it's... They-
2: it was it, it was infectious, is what it was. They it, were
0: just, yeah, it's going to be a hard they, decision. Like this is the quality we're talking about here. It's going to be a hard decision whether or not I listen to that or listen to Radio Le Mans throughout the race. Like that's that's the sort of level of fun we're talking about here.
2: So I think I have a new goal for while I'm there.
0: Get Find the that Street. room and get, get, on-, get on the Magnus <laughs>
2: Mag stream. <laughs> Mag <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, can I come ship those with you? <laughs> Absolutely
1: not. <laughs> hey
0: hey guys. Um, uh, in other Audi news,
1: though, you might get, you might get somewhat far.
0: <laughs> in other Audi news, though, uh, this will be the second Daytona and the first Daytona as a uh, full season entry for Land Motorsport team, who finished second last year at this event. Um, finished on top at the Nurburgring and second. Oh no, and one Petit Le Mans as well. So they are flying. Um, in terms they also of... won the California Eight
2: Hour, the Nurburgring 24 Hour, uh, and the ADAC Masters wrong. GT3
0: Championship. Wrong. No? G Magnus won the California Eight Hour. Ooh. <sighs> um, but they will uh, have again the Van der Linde brothers and Christopher Meese, uh, which uh, did the anchor stint last year to bring them to second place. Um, and I feel like uh, they've also got a guy called Jeffrey Schmidt, which I feel like is the same lineup as they had. Last year, yes. In He's fact. an
1: ADAC GT Masters driver, but here's the thing: they're going without Conor D. Felipe this year, which is now a BMW factory driver and racing the new BMW, BMW M8s and GT Le Mans. Yep, which so we talked about. So they're going without earlier. one of their star drivers, but I mean, Conor D. Felipe was a pretty good driver. I mean, he helped the team. You know, I mean, almost won the 24 Hours of Dubai, 24 Hours of Nurburgring uh ADAC gt Masters Championship.
0: Yeah, but on the flip side from that, um so I I kind of lied. They didn't have the Vandlander brothers last year, but on that point, uh Kevin Vandlander especially has shown over the past 12 months that he is a force to be reckoned with. He was the yeah. ankle ankle uh guy in the 24 hours of Nürburgring race that they won and his stint uh, leading into their problems at the end was like he was setting times faster than Renee Rast, um, and then to go on and win Petit as well with Vandelinda behind the wheel. Uh, I I I feel like swapping out Di Filippi for Vandalinda is basically a like for like swap. Um, and his brother's no slouch either, Sheldon. He he kicked ass
2: at the uh, Petit Le Mans. Mm.
0: So I, I feel like this could be one of the absolute top contenders for GTD. And the fact that they're running uh, the factory entry, well, not the factory entry, the full season entry for Audi as well, is a great great thing for them. And I, I'm really excited to see Land Motorsport continue on their merry way and continue to get these good results, because I feel like they're definitely in for a chance here.
1: Land Motorsports really is in a lucky position because the logistics for the North American races is provided by Starworks. So, they don't have to worry about, you know, transferring cars over from Europe to America all the time. They can just stay in America Starworks providing logistics and have their cars and stay in Europe and when As long as the transporter doesn't
0: miss the braking zone.
2: Oh my god, did you just make that joke? <laughs> did you really just make that joke? Or go
0: off in flames.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I had Because this has happened to Starworks. Because this has happened to Starworks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, other gt GTD news, uh, we're, if we look towards the two Lexus cars, um, uh, there's big news in the second of the Lexus cars, of course. Uh, firstly, um, David Hanemeyer Hansen is racing in the second Lexus car, which I think is awesome, because David Hanemeyer Hansen just deserves to race in everything. Um, second thing, if- Scott Pruitt has announced that this year's Daytona 24 will be his last race.
2: And if you're any sort of uh, computer programming nerd, Dana- David Hireman or Hansen invented Ruby on Rails,
0: which so, means uh, nothing to me. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm not a computer guy. I'm a science guy. But yeah, he's a uh, you know a very successful business owner that runs motorsport racing on the side. Um, but I, but we we really should talk about Scott Pruitt. He's the equal highest, um, m- sorry, equal most winningest driver at the Daytona 24 Hours uh, with five overall wins, uh, and this this will be his last race. Uh, so I feel like I, I feel like he can finally get, uh, stay with his family at home. <laughs> yes, Scott Scott Pruitt's just like the nicest guy. If you ever meet him, um, and I hope he has a better Daytona than he did last year as well um yeah for those Was who don't remember no?
1: that lexus
0: yeah uh for those who don't remember i got wired on turn one gassed it up on the curb and slammed it straight into the pit exit wall so hope hope you do better this year scott um because it would be it would be a perfect finish for him to have a good result at daytona which is a race that he's done so well at and that has rewarded me over four decades four decades I haven't even been alive for decades.
2: Yeah, I mean, Scott Pruitt, when, when you tell somebody, an American sports car fan, hey, sports car racing, you think Scott Pruitt. So but- we're, we're kind of watching the end of an era here. It's a little sad, but also, you know, your career can only last so long. And for his to go as long as it has, is just, it's incredible. Mm.
0: And for him to be as competitive as he has for so long as well. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that he was still racing prototypes.
2: Yeah, that's true. He uh he made the switch in I think fifteen to uh to committing to the Lexus team.
0: So mm. um, good good on him. Uh one of the big name teams that have come from Europe though is the Grasser Racing team, uh in the Lamborghinis. They came last year with I think one car. Um but this no, year they, they came- had two last no, year. They had two. Oh, they did have two. The 11 and the 61. I didn't see them because they were so far apart on my entry list. Um, But again, two cars this year. And uh, Chris, Grasso Racing Team have had a ridiculous season in 2017, didn't they?
1: Blank pan champions, to be exact. And just skip ahead to 2018. They already had a marvelous season. Well, a season of heartbreak and... Uh, redemption how have they it's had a season 20... of
0: heartbreaking redemption it's been it's january
1: <laughs> in the 24 hours of dubai they <laughs> won pole on the thursday session and they were leading until they got multiple punctures in the beginning of the race which made them go 80th overall oh, and God. they spent the entire time going you know cr- you know you know getting after you know, overall positions, and guess what? They finished uh, third overall.
0: Wow! So the a podium Jeez.
1: in twenty-four hours of Dubai. So guess what? Twenty-four hours of running already under their belts. Uh, some of the drivers coming from Dubai to Daytona. Um, so they're they're already in the swing of things. They they drove the cars. Um, they're kind they're into it. So I think grasser Racing Team is going to be the upset.
2: Yeah, and it's this hard. is not just like. It's not just a team with pay drivers; they're bringing their A game, and I yeah, think Chris yeah. knows more about their drivers than any of us. But
0: and and you can't really call them bringing the upset, seeing as they were the blank pain champions last year. I mean, for for the middle of the season, they were entirely unbeatable. They they won like the first three rounds straight of sorry they won two rounds of the sprint series and the first two rounds of the endurance series, and they were basically the champions before Spa. They they were just that far ahead. And they're bringing a quality team as well, like Rolf Aniken, Mirko Bortolotti, Rick Brukers, Frank Pereira. They're bringing Aniken and Brukers as their silver drivers. That's ridiculous! Those guys are basically gold. They're fake golds. Yeah, (laughs) it's... They're not messing around.
1: No, Also, I'm not sure if this applies for Daytona, but um, they did unleash a brand new livery uh, reveal. They're partnered up with Orange 1. So now they have a bit of orange and green Oh the cars yeah, instead of s- just green. I saw I, I that. don't know if they're doing that for their Daytona cars. I think for Daytona, they're still going to have their just plain green cars.
0: But the orange looks so cool. I never expected it a does. combination of orange and green. Oh, wait, no, that's a lie. The Mazda car from... Oh, the... I mean, it works in Ireland. Yeah, this is also true. Okay, yeah, so I'm wrong. Orange and green go great together. Um... <laughs> But I, I think out of the two cars that they're bringing, they're bringing along the 11 and the 19, I feel like the car that's going to challenge for the win is the 11 car. I just don't see the same sort of quality in the likes of Lens and Machiel's. Compagnac um, and Engelhardt and Van and I I could see taking the car into a good position, but I don't think they'll be able to finish it off. That's, that's possible, mm. but... I mean, again, Gr-
2: Grasser, they're, they're a team that when they're doing something, they're committing to it 100%. So yeah. I, I envision
0: that they're going to do pretty good here. Mm. Uh, a few other teams uh, that we've seen over the course of the last few years. Uh, we've got, of course, the um, Ben Keating Riley Motorsports in the AMG, uh, featuring, of course, uh, Keating and Blake Molin. Um But adding to that, uh, Adam Christodoulou, uh, a Black Falcon ra- uh, racing driver. And Lucas Stoltz, another Black Falcon uh, guy. So, good to see yep. the guys from Black Falcon branching out into a bit of other GTD racing. Um, and if they didn't... Mullen and Lucas Stoltz,
1: if they didn't collide with another Mercedes in 24 hours of Dubai, they would have won that race.
0: Now I'm sad. <laughs> um, uh, <whistles> we've already talked about Magnus. We've already talked about... Um, oh, next two cars on the list, um, the Paul Miller racing car, uh, in another Lamborghini, they've been great in the last few seasons as a, as a true sort of AM quality team, but they're, but like Madison Snow, he's a great silver driver, isn't he? I wouldn't I, say he's great, but he's
2: consistent. He, he, he's not the fastest driver, but he is, doesn't make mistakes.
0: Yeah, he doesn't make mistakes and he's a bit faster than you would expect. He's like if Tracy Crone stopped spinning. But does Tracy Crone ever stop spinning? That is the real question we'll ask.
1: Him. <laughs> <laughs> the Lambos a
0: second. Looks like
1: the Grass Racing team will have the green and orange oh, yes. uh, livery. Because yes. on the sponsor's side of the entry list, it says BioCircle, just our usual sponsor, slash Orange1.
0: Yes! So Seeing those liveries. That's going to be awesome. Um. But I think the car, I'm there's like three cars in this list that I'm most interested in seeing. One of them is the number 51 Spirit of Race Ferrari, which is featuring Paul Dallallana, Pedro Lamy, Matthias Lauda, and Daniel Serra. It's a Ferrari full of Aston Martin drivers. I mean, what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And look at the sponsor, Northwest, which usually sponsors which car? The Aston car, Martin. Martin. <laughs> Well, I think
2: Northwest is actually Paul Dalalana's company.
0: Yeah. That, w- that would make sense. And I mean, um, I, like, Paul Dalana, A, he's like a big lumbering Canadian bear who's just cuddly as anything. He's just the nicest dude you could ever meet. Um, Secondly, this isn't the first time he's just gone to a different car because he wants to race a particular event. I mean, he has done Daytona in the past with Aston Martin, But last year, for example, uh, he wanted to do a race at the Bathurst 12-hour, so he bought a HTP Mercedes AM slot, and they gave him Bernd Schneider as their fourth driver. Um, uh, And this year, again, he's doing the same thing, but with Audi, and so they've given... uh, He's been teamed up with uh, Australian Bathurst winner Will Davison, Um, so... Uh, yeah, he, he he can. He's kind of just like I want to do that race. Okay, what team can get me to that race? <laughs> e-
2: equal opportunity race car driver.
0: Basically, yeah. Um, and uh, and if you're gonna pick a GT3 car at the moment, you really can't go past the the, the 488. The 488 is just probably. I don't want to say the best GT3 car, because they're all the best GT3 car, but I think it's the most consistent in terms of BOP and setup. It just seems that any GT3 Ferrari team can just find a way to set up the car better than... uh, uh, more comfortable, sorry, than other teams.
2: It seems like the Ferrari is more friendly to a less assertive driver if that makes any sense yeah it's got a wider like it is, it's um easier, it's easier window. to extract the pace from it
0: yeah um so keep an eye out for that car uh and i really hope they do well uh, because paul de just he just deserves to win everything i think um but the next car on the entry list i really want to talk about is the number 58 uh right motorsports car so this car um, has The team's making the step up from the Pirelli World Challenge. Were they the champions last year? Uh, yes. Yep. Pa- so Patrick Long is the champion. Patrick driver. Long. Um, so, this car is probably my favorite driver lineup of the event. You have Pat Long, who's a Porsche factory driver in America, has been doing this for forever and ever and ever. Um. Then you have the current GTD champion, Christina Nilsson, who was. As we've. Mentioned quite a few times, unceremoniously bought out of her drive at Scuderia Corsa. Um, so, she definitely deserves to go well, and I'm going to be 100% backing her for this entire GTD season. Add to that, Robert Renauer, um, who Chris would very much know of uh, Creventic fame, uh, who runs the, um, uh, who, who's one of the drivers in the Herberth Motorsport 911, and um, Matteo Jaminet, uh, who's another great uh, Porsche driver who I'm really excited to see. So this is this is my favorite car in GTD.
1: Yeah, Jaminé is usually in like Manti racing equipment in like and like Creventic and VLN, but uh, Wright Motorsports, they got a good guy. They got a good French guy in their belts. I think Jaminé could be a really quick driver.
2: Mm. Yeah, they, uh, they snatched him up. Porsche snapped him up as a uh, Porsche young professional, not quite a factory driver, but still a affiliated
0: driver. So kind of like um, Australians would know of Matt Campbell or... Uh, uh that that sort of driver.
2: Yep, I'm reasonably sure it's the same thing, yeah.
0: Sweet. Um and yeah, I, I feel like they're gonna be one of the contenders because uh you can't Pat Long doesn't really join slow cars. It's just not his thing. And Christina Nielsen is maybe maybe the best am in IMSA at the moment. She's certainly She's,
2: she's uh, certainly the most successful, you know, yeah. two time champion. Yeah. That's nothing to scoff at.
0: And I mean, yeah, a lot of that is the fact that she could get the car into good positions for Balzan to finish off. But she still had to get the car into good positions. Um, so she she deserves better than getting bought out of her drive. I, I still feel that way. But now she's in a Porsche, so that makes me happy. Um, and like Renauer as well, 911 in Creventic is basically always the team to beat. So I, I feel like this car is a definite chance at will win if not... A, a top five finish, easy. Yeah, I
2: mean, anything can anything can happen over twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, especially with the IMSA question rules. Um, any other particular cars that you want to talk about in depth? Number sixty nine Hart Honda of
1: America Racing Team. Yeah, Hart's actually
2: really cool because it's an all volunteer team of just Honda factory employees,
0: just going racing. I would, if I was a Honda factory employee, I would so totally do that. Like, what a cool... Yeah, they, what, what cooler way to spend your weekend?
1: They have Chad Gilslinger, which is basically the guy who kinda runs the thing. Ryan Eversley, Acura factory driver, and Sean Rayhall and John
0: Falb, European Le, Mans, uh, Le Series LMP3 champions. Oh, nice! I didn't realize they were the same guys. Of course, because that's United Auto Sports. Oh. Yep. 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 That's cool. I... all of a sudden, I really like that car. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Hart's going to be pretty cool
1: and to watch. They, they aren't slow either. They got, I think, within a top five at the roar in one of the testing sessions. We,
0: we saw that the Acura last year as well was actually a competitive car until it ran into problems. So um, we could actually see them towards the top step, especially later on in the season when they were... Um, uh, with Michael Shank Racing uh they were contending for race wins. I think there was a stretch where Andy Lally and Catherine Leg won what three races in a row or two races in a row or something?
1: I think it was two. And that was Yeah, before... two races in a row um, Belle Isle and the Glen.
0: And you, and you Oh don't... man,
2: that, that, that Glen race was so good. Yeah, you don't just so win good. the
0: Glen on uh, by luck. You got to you got to really work at that. So Acuras could be a, another team to watch, and especially if you look at the Michael Shank Racing teams, you've got um you've got two McLaren refugees uh, in that team in those teams as well. So one car features uh Captain uh, let me try again Catherine Leg <laughs> Captain Ladoar, Captain, yes. Captain Leg um Catherine Leg AJ Allmendinger Trent Heinemann, and Alvaro Parent um uh who won Pirelli World Challenge in 2016 I believe is that
1: correct Chris. Uh, uh, Alvaro Parent, uh, yeah, that. Yep. In, in the K-Pax McLaren,
0: yeah, that'd be correct. Yep, and won Bathurst 12 air in that same year. Um, and in the other car, you have Justin Marks, Lawson Ashenback, Mario Feinbacher, and Combe Letegar, Blankpan Endurance Championship of 2016, along with Shane van Gisbergen and Rob Bell. So, I see anyone who get, is associated with Shane van Gis- Gisbergen, I'm just always gonna enjoy watching. So, I'm gonna really enjoy watching Alvaro Parent and Combe Letegar at this event. Because it, it's just, I, I won't be able to enjoy watching Shane Van Gisbergen at this event. Sad face.
2: Yeah, it, the, the, the GTD field, there, there's so much talent spread so far through it that it, it's kind of like the prototype. It's just it's going to be hard to, to figure out who the
0: front runners are. It's going to be hard to figure out who any of the runners are. Let's be real here. You Like, 21 cars here, you could literally pick a combination of any 10 and that could be the finishing 10, uh, the top 10. Like... I'm seriously considering doing a Casus 27 and just a random number number generator. Like, that's that's how I'm going to do these picks, guys. This, this, there's no other way. <laughs> and, like, we still haven't even talked about uh, the, the Park Place Motorsports team, Patrick Lindsay Jörg Burstmeister, Norbert Siedler and Tim Pappas. That's a great team. We haven't talked about any of the Ferrari, other Ferraris yet. I mean, Scuderia, Corsa have brought two cars both of which could win. I mean, in one of them you've got Cooper McNeil, uh, the uh, who's bringing WeatherTech sponsorship. Um, uh, ben Balzan, Jeanette, who's a longtime driver with Cooper McNeil, and Jeff Siegel. The other team has uh, 2015 GTM Le Mans champions Bill Swedler, Townsend Bell in it. Was it 2015 or 2016 that they won? 15, I think. No, it must have been 2016 <laughs> because um, 2015 was the year that they were. Contending with Patrick Dempsey and got spun out, um, and then um, uh, and then uh, on top of that you add um, Sam Bird to that team. So like
2: <laughs> that's yeah, a good old Birdo.
0: That's a crazy team. Um, and the other Ferrari that I feel like I need to mention. Where is it gone? The Risi Competizione GTD Ferrari features Miguel Molina, uh, Ricardo Perez de Lara. Uh, Martin Fuentes Santiago Creed who uh, Creel sorry and Matt Griffin but Matt Griffin though Whew. yeah that makes our um, our Irish friend um, uh, Alex Mr. Sinclair Alex Sinclair very happy to see Matt Griffin in the Rizzi competition only car um, so <laughs> like again just too much quality in this in this in this entire team in this entire race too much quality Um, so Dare I ask? Pick a winner. Anyone? Uh, well, any takers? From a
2: from a purely selfish fanboy point of view, I would have to say that the number twenty nine Land Audi of Wendelin Wendelin Schmidt Mies has a pretty good shot at winning this race. And uh, it is on the intri- It is
0: on the entry list. It does have a pretty good shot at winning this race. Yep.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Magnus is always good at uh, at Tatiana, So I'm going to go with Magnus. And then just just for one more, for the sake of variety. I'm gonna go with the Cooper. No, just kidding, not Cooper McNeil. I'm gonna go with Hart.
0: You almost gave me an aneurysm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go with Hart for number three. Okay, I'll give you. uh, I'll give you another
0: two, seeing as we did the same thing with prototypes.
2: (sighs) Flood, why you do this?
0: Why not? All right, it's fun. Well, uh, I think I would be remiss
2: to not include Turner.
0: We haven't even talked uh, about Turner yet.
2: Yeah, the the Klingman, Tomchick, Kvom, Yount. And uh, ah, that's the other guy's name. I can never Cameron remember. Lawrence. Yes, Cameron Lawrence, of uh, TA2 Trans Am fame.
0: I am so keen 90... to just see this car. I'm sorry, yeah, I the, just... Na- the '96
2: is going to be good. And then for one more,
0: let's go with Sun
2: Energy One. What? Well, it's because they got Mario Engel and Thomas Jaeger.
0: Yeah, but it's also got Kenny Hubble.
2: <laughs> yeah, but what's life without a little brake failure? <laughs> If you don't know what I'm referring to, go watch the Isle Race from last year. Oh, in, in which Elysia died.
0: It wasn't Elysia; it was O'Reilly.
2: I corrected myself.
0: I apologize. Um, I feel like I should have some sort of patriotic connection to that car because Kenny Habul is Australian, but I just don't. <laughs> Hey, fun, I mean, fun fact—he's he's a cool a, dude. He, uh, like, he's a cool dude, yeah. A fun fact: he's actually bringing uh, that team to Australia uh, for the Bathurst 12 era. I think he's racing with Jaeger Engel, and Jamie Winkup in a HTP-run yeah. uh, AMG Mercedes. So that'll be interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going to be a strong, strong entry.
0: Yeah, and that's of course the Pro-Am car because um, her ball is a, is a bronze. Um, see, I I disagree with all your picks, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. For first, I'm gonna
1: go with Magnus Racing. Um, safe bet. We're, uh, we're picking three or five. Five. Okay. Um, for second, I'm gonna choose the 29 Audi. Uh, for third, I think I'm going to go with the number 11, Grasser Racing Team. Fourth, I'm going to go with Wright Motorsports. I believe this is Wright Motorsports' first endurance event. So I'm like, I, I don't want to, uh, maybe they'll have problems. So I'm going to go with them fourth, And because uh, I love my VLN and Nordschleife guys, Manti Racing fifth.
0: So is that Manti Racing Team all uh, the VLN guys?
1: Uh, yeah, Sven Mueller does the VLN stuff.
0: Um, wait, is that Matteo are... Cai- Cairoli?
1: Oh, Yes, nice. it is.
0: It, it's that Cairoli, yeah. Nice, nice. And then they've got uh, the Australian cricket captain, Steve Smith. I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Steve's, uh, there's a guy called Steve Smith racing in that car. And for those in Australia, uh, that's the cra- captain of the cricket team, uh, is by the same name. So, I thought that was funny. Not,
2: not the same guy, though.
0: No, not the same guy. The the Australian team, Steve Smith, isn't German. Funnily enough. <laughs> um. Okay. My my picks. Um. I uh, in no particular order because I'm not that brave. Uh. I will be picking the 11, the 29, the 44. So this is uh Grasser Racing Team, Land Motorsport, Magnus Racing, uh Riot Motorsports. And the '64 Scuderia Corsa car, but, okay, but I also want to, but also want to pick the '86. And so the real winner will probably be none of those. <laughs> so yeah, I just feel, I just feel like that Scuderia Corsa car is gonna go under the radar. But I don't know how it's gonna go under the radar when they have former Le Mans winners Bill Hans Townsend Bell, former uh, IMSA GTD champions Bill Sweetler and Townsend Bell, and also Ferrari factory driver Sam Bird, like. I don't know. I don't understand why none. neither of you guys picked that.
2: I was just trying to change it up a bit because we, we always go for the same drivers. Is like, oh, they're going to win because name. I figured, you know, let, let's try something different. See if we can change our expectations of, of who's up running up front. I mean... I think, I think I just said all the buzzwords at a multi-level marketing scam.
0: Yeah, I, I feel... I, I mean, you're kind of right, but... Well, sorry. I can see where you're coming from, but you're also willfully being wrong. <laughs> Like, that's the well,
2: thing. C- call it my American stubbornness, but you yeah. know, I just I'm just trying to see what what's different that we might not have thought of before, you know.
0: I mean, yeah, on one hand I can uh, I can agree with you, but like in that case, why not go for something like the 33 car, Ben Keating, who's, you know, quality, and then you add to add to that uh, add to add to Keating, Blake Mullen, who's always with him, and then two guys from Black Falcon who, <laughs> you know, may people may not have heard of. Like, why not go something like that? Oh, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that kind of wraps up what we think is going to happen. Um, just to wrap everything up, um, um, we've been talking throughout this podcast about saying, uh, uh, talking about the caution rules and IMSA's running of things, uh, being likely to affect how the race will end, um, or, on the other hand, being likely to keep teams in the running, so why, why is that? Americans, Americans on this podcast, why do, does Amer- uh, the IMSA officiating result in a more competitive race at the end?
2: So the American philosophy for damaged cars is that if you're stuck somewhere on the track, you're not out of the race, they will come and get you. So the, the idea for American endurance racing is that as long as your car can physically drive, they want you in the running, whereas something like Le Mans, you get stuck in the gravel trap and you can't get out, tough luck, you're done. So it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a, quite like
0: that. You've got, to, you've got to be able to get to the pits under your own steam in Le Mans. Um, right, but in,
2: in Daytona, if you're stuck, something will literally pull you out of the gravel trap on a flatbed, put you in the garage, fix your car, go back out.
0: I, I, that I Mans, recall, you're done. I seem to recall memories of the Park Place Motorsport car, was it not last year, but the year before, going uh being taken through or driving through the entire infield paddock uh to get back to the pits after having a problem <laughs> and this is like yeah, with, the campers yeah with uh golf carts and campers and just people around everywhere that was that's that's the sort of thing i love to see
2: <laughs> yeah it's just a different philosophy plus the uh the american system of sport is the main focus is the entertainment value so it, it makes more sense from that perspective to have more competitive cars at the end of a race yep that's not saying that without that rules the racing wouldn't be competitive you just wouldn't necessarily have 90 percent of the cars in contention what yet. is
0: the rules that we're talking about we haven't we've kind of skirted around them so i think the main thing right. is the caution procedure
2: yeah so imsa does a full pit cycle plus waiver around procedure every single caution everything involves a full pit cycle so if a car gets stuck on track, whatever, the caution comes out, the prototypes fit, and then the GTs fit, and then any car who's a lap down to their class leader is allowed to go past the safety car and rejoin at the end of the queue. IMSA will not tell you if you're allowed to do it. It's up to the team to know whether they can. Mm. But if IMSA catches you, they'll just take your lap away.
0: Yep. Um, so they, basically... So it's, it's it's not quite you... a lap down. It's... it's... You've got to be between your class leader and the safety car, basically. Uh, no. No? I thought thought that was the rule.
2: If you are, like, a lap down, you're allowed to go around. You can get a lap back.
1: Wave around rule, same as NASCAR.
2: Which is why you'll notice that sometimes overnight a team could enter the night, you know, 10, 11 laps down, and come out of it 4 laps down. Because of safety cars.
0: No, yeah. I thought yeah. it was and I thought the, it was the, that you well, had to be that, That's a
2: separate thing. That's hmm. a separate thing. The uh the being in front of your class leader behind the safety car thing, you are allowed to just join the end of the line, I believe. That that that's a separate thing.
1: And okay. There is a new rule saying that there's going to be uh, I believe separate restarts for or at least not separate restarts, but making the prototypes go together instead of having the mixed class and
2: and that that's purely a safety thing because the the acceleration is just so much more rapid in a prototype
0: compared to something like a like a gtd car see now that That, okay two things one um firstly uh the consequence of what we were just talking about means that towards the end of the race uh, a lot more cars are able to get their laps back and thus be in contention for the end of the race uh which is why for example last year we had six cars in gtd separated by you know three seconds um But the second thing about separating prototype and uh, GT cars on the restarts, I vehemently disagree with. I feel like that completely changes the mood and feel of the event because because it, it completely negates the effect that traffic has on endurance racing. And endurance racing is about navigating... Uh, a large part of it is about navigating traffic safely and effectively. And so if you get a late safety car, and you just clump all the prototypes together and clump all the GTs together, it's just... I, I feel like that takes away the, the traffic aspect of that. Tell me why I'm wrong. Go ahead.
2: No, you're actually right, but... Dude. On the other flip-hand side, I do understand why they would choose to do it that way, just from a, uh, a safety perspective.
0: Well, I mean, the WEC manages it when they have to. They generally use flow zones instead, or, uh, full-course yellow- or, well, not full-course yellows. I, well, actually, you know, they are full-course yellows, is what the term is. You mean is. virtual safety cars? Virtual safety car isn't technically correct? The term- the term used in the WEC is full-course yellow, um- whereas in IMSA like they tend to call it like caution but getting up behind time in the safety car um uh you know things like Craventic are able to have you know starts where GT3 cars and friggin' Renault Clio's and Volkswagen Golfs are um, in the mix together and it's like i I, I can sort of maybe a little bit understand it but like even if you look into the past uh you know Um, the Audi R8, R18 at Le Mans, you know, or sorry, even like the Audi R10 at Le Mans, um, with the GT cars, they would have had the same level of acceleration. Uh, you look even further back, you know, I'm sure a Porsche 917 is has got acceleration close to or on par with the current prototype. So it's not like these cars, it's not like the separation in acceleration is a new issue. I feel like it doing this takes away more from the spectacle than it adds in safety.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to disagree with you because you're right. I'm just pointing out why IMSA probably did it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's actually why they did it, safety.
0: Yeah, but motorsport so. is inherently dangerous. Well,
2: like okay. I mean, there, like, there's I, also I, the old saying that uh, safety regulations are written
0: in blood. Yes, this is true. Um. I don't think I've seen a significant incident in a situation where there has been a slower car at a restart that hasn't also involved a procedural error at a restart. Um, like, and that's one of the risks you take with multi-class racing. That's one of the factors that occurs with multi-class racing. So, and like, I can see why they did it, but I'm not happy about it. So, I yeah, I will, I will be unhappy about it. But, yeah, the, the caution procedure, while it does sort of take a little bit away from the, like, full-on endurance aspect of it, it does mean that you get, as Sin commented on, more of a spectacle and more entertainment. Um, so, it is, uh, again, a little bit of a unique style of racing. It means that, you know, a driver, for example, like Ed Brown, can run a lap under safety car, go a lap down, and then still win the Rolex 24. <laughs> so... Yeah. That was ridiculous. If you haven't seen the end of the 2016 race, you need to see the end of the 2016
2: race. IMSA is... They do their own thing and it works, so I'm just going to roll with it.
0: Yep. Uh, Sin, you had something you wanted to say about a meetup.
2: Yes. uh, The RUSCR meetup is happening. Slash R slash USCR. There is a post entitled... My mic just cut out. Entitled that's, a weird, Official.
0: That's, a, that's a weird title for a meetup post.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's entitled Official Twenty Eighteen Rolex twenty four meetup. And there's a survey in there where we're trying to figure out what's the most popular day for the meetup. But uh basically the idea is we're gonna get together before either the Conti race or the Rolex twenty four, uh hang out for a bit, just uh meet some people that we banter with on a, on the internet in real life, maybe uh swap some stories, go sign some autographs, or find some people to sign autographs for us, you know.
0: Basically, just trying stream.
2: to, yes, just try to get the subreddit together in real life to take the the awesome online community and make it an awesome offline community for one day.
0: No, that's real cute. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to go, if you want to get more information, you want to actually you know meet Mr. Syndrome Twenty Four. This fantastic opportunity. <laughs>
2: Hey, hey hey, I'm not the only one going.
0: Uh, this is true. if, uh, if you want to meet some people like put some faces to some usernames, check out that post check out that survey and uh, yeah I I hope I hope we actually see some like some photos of you guys together because uh, it would be really cool to put some some faces to some names and like I mean I've met people from like R S W E C subreddit which have been really cool and you know they've come become part of some of my best online friends. I guess that's a thing that exists now in the modern age. Um, so yeah, get involved in that. Um, uh, we've also just done a, a new update to the CSS on uscr, and you'll see that if you are following the coverage of the event on r- uscr. Um, we'll of course have qualifying posts, race posts. Uh, are you going to be running the contest again this year, Sin?
2: I am yep uh, people who were on the sub in 2016 were treated to a year-long running order prediction contest uh, wasn't really able to do it last year but uh, the gist of it is that the entry list has been codified into flare and once Andy Blackmore spotter guy goes out tomorrow morning on Woo! the 23rd of January uh, cookie Monster FL is gonna take all the car sprites from that and stick them in the sub to flare uh, you predict what the top three drivers In each class are going to be at the end of certain at certain intervals through the race and there's points assigned for correct answers and at the end of the race the person who gets the most correct points is the winner Woo! and uh, this is it's kind of it was something I originally did to try to get people thinking about long term strategy in a race, but it turned into something that people would just laugh about during the IRC we would try to (laughs) make outrageous choices to see what happened people would be glued to the live timing so if you're if you want to learn how to follow a race this may be something you consider wanting to try.
0: I'm I mean, not saying course, it's the
2: best way to learn, uh, but it's I'm, definitely it definitely makes you think.
0: Unless you're, of course, trying to follow the GTD class, in which case just random number. Generator. RNG. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. but yeah, the, the contest
2: I, is always fun. Uh, it's a, fa- it's a uh, subreddit favorite, and uh, the more the merrier, basically. Mm. And I believe there's also going to be uh, M.W. Clarkson's uh, Fantasy WEC for Daytona. Oh, yeah. Is that accurate?
0: Uh, yeah, I feel like that is correct. Um, and for that, you have to get your picks in before the first practice session of the weekend. Or is it before qualifying? Either way, uh, there will be a post that. up on r-uscr and r wec with details about that. Um, that contest is also really, really fun. And I'm not just saying that because I won it last year.
2: <laughs> um, really, the only difference is that Clarkson's is all ahead of time, whereas mine is it's throughout the race, hmm. continuous.
0: I feel, I feel. feel like,
2: it's not that one's better than the other, they're just different.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like being involved in these sort of contests does give you a sort of um, appreciation for some of the other classes you may not be following because it does mean that you have something to anchor yourself to. It's like, oh, I picked the 29 car. I want to see how the 29 car is doing. Oh, it's in second place. Woo, I'm going to keep track of that throughout the race. So it does get you to, to basically care about the classes that you not wouldn't normally. I mean, yeah, unless you're just, talking about It PC, just makes you think a case, little yeah. differently. Yeah. Um, so that'll be cool. Uh, always stuff going on around the sub. Um, and do we have time? I feel like we got time. Chris, tell us about the Continental a uh, Continental Tire Sports Car Endurance Challenge.
1: So yes. Yeah, so the Friday before the Rolex Twenty Four at Daytona, there will be a quick thirty-minute Ferrari Challenge race, and then the big, the main event on the Friday, the BMW Endurance Challenge, which is a four-hour. Duration, and it's basically a mix of GT4 and a class called Grand Sport TCR cars, which is a brand new addition to the series in in its own separate class. That's cool. And then then Street Tuner, which is unfortunately being a bit phased out. It was basically kind of the last kind of grassroots things you can do in a major racing series. So, so next year it's going to be Grand GT4 and TCR basically. So it'll be the last year of the street-tuner class at so the end of your little minis, your Mini Coopers, um, your non-GT4 spec Porsche Caymans, uh, Nissan Altimas. And unfortunately, Mazda Miata.
2: There's,
1: there's no Mazda Miatas on the entry list for Daytona. Aww.
2: Yeah, the, the, the CTSC, it, it arguably is actually more exciting, in, at least initially, because the race is just shorter. But just imagine just a metric crap ton of cars. Plowing into turn one at the same time and the drivers range from professional people like Scott Maxwell Jay Buford uh, People like that all the way down to just people who say hey Let's go racing and they build a car themselves in the SD class.
1: and the overall entry entries for the Rolex 24 is 50 cars uh, Just seven short is the Continental Tire sports car challenge. 43. That's pretty good.
0: How, how many GT4s is that? Because thirty four GT4s 30. exploded wow Seven TCRs <laughs> and about five
1: Trinklers.
2: Yeah, so, there's yeah. uh there's thirty um, GS cars Six. at the moment. There's seven ST cars and I believe there's seven uh, stri- uh, TCR cars at the moment.
1: And I'll just list some of the notable guys on the entry list. Most all of them are most likely going to be in GT4. Uh, Guy Cosmo and Owen Trinkler, which. Tranquil did some radio Lama work for the 24 Hours of Le Mans the past few years ago, and uh, he is going to be in the team TGM Mercedes. Um, Trent Hydman's doing the double; he's going to be racing in the Volt Lightning Ford Mustang. Uh, former NASCAR driver Chad McCombie is going to be racing in the uh, Multimatic Ford Mustang as well. Cameron Lawrence is also is going to be racing an Audi R8 GT4. He's also going to be pulling the double with Sunoco, I believe it's 240 challenge winner, Rick Parfitt Jr., which means he, he won a few championships in Europe. He won the British GT4 championship. And this cha- and the Suno- this Sunoco challenge lets you get a ride in the Continental Tire sports car race where the Sunoco Willen challenge gets you a ride in the Baker one, the Rolex 24. James Safronis, a former GMG Porsche GT3 driver, not uh, racing an Audi r eight. Sophronis yeah. actually owns GMG. Okay, yeah. And Andrew Davis, he's also racing with Magnus in the Rolex twenty four teammates with Saronis. Then you have this is probably the star car of the field. Number fifteen, Scott Maxwell. there's always a uh,
0: star car. There's always yeah, a star car.
1: Scott Maxwell, which has been the kind of all-time sports car challenge for a bit, Cole Custer. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series driver for Haas, and Ty Majeski, which is doing a part-time NASCAR Xfinity Series schedule this year for Roush. They're going to be racing a Ford Mustang GT- That's pretty cool.
0: Um, yeah. So what, the, uh, so what the, kind of the, cars the NASC- uh, Sorry, go ahead, soon.
2: The, the NASCAR guys are actually going to be doing more than Daytona this season. Uh, Ford's going to be trying to get them as much seat time as they can. So that that's actually really cool that the manufacturers actually like invested in the support category.
0: Flood, you're about to say something? Um I was gonna ask, uh how many of each car like what's the sort of distribution between like say the the Mustang GT four versus the Porsche versus the McLaren, that sort of stuff? Well,
2: the, Um, the dominant car is definitely the Mercedes, just because there's more of them.
1: I'm looking throughout and it seems to be a pretty I mean great parody.
2: Yeah, the, the Mercedes, there's definitely a lot of them. Uh, there, there's a bunch of Mustangs, a bunch of Audis, and there's only a handful of Astons and Porsches. What about, did uh, McLaren
0: have a GT4 car that raced there last McLaren year? Is, McLaren
2: is here. There is one McLaren, I think, for uh, Compass, Compass 360, the number 76 for uh, Paul Holton and Matt Plum. No, there's two, sorry. There's two of them. Oh. And a uh, funny note about the McLaren, uh, last year I got to talking to one of the guys from the CTSC teams, I don't remember who it was or what team, but the McLaren GT4, when it got on the banking, uh, the car thought it was flipping over, so the uh, attitude sensor wouldn't stop yelling at the driver the whole <laughs> time on the banking. <laughs> and it was screwing with the traction control because of the uh, the different force level. So the car was like, oh man gee, what are you doing? So they had to like turn off a bunch of sensors on the car because it would just go ding 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 That's ding, hilarious. ding the whole time on the banking. See it was driving it was it was driving the driver as pun intended. See the dri- Absolutely uh, freaking the, insane.
0: Banking banking just does weird things to sports cars.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the banking it's you you don't mess with the banking for for lack of a
0: better term, basically awesome that's Um, pretty that's pretty cool so a 30 car gt4 field it seems like gt4 has become the next playground of um gt racing for the the true sort of amateur guys to just go and like put a car together and go racing
1: i believe this is the first full year of gt4 homologation for the series so that explains the reason for the massive boom but there's still more notable drivers on this list um Austin Sindrick, who has won in this series before, he's also he was a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series uh, driver in twenty seventeen. He got yep. in the playoffs in that season, and also Chase Briscoe, ARCA Series champion, and uh, also will do races for Roush in the Xfinity Series, and that's in number twenty two Ford Mustang for Multimatic, in number twenty eight Porsche Cayman. Uh, Spencer Papelli will be driving that car. That's a surprise.
0: Teams. It's it's a shame um, that Pompelli hasn't oh. gotten back into GTD racing.
2: So Pompelli's actually raced in CTSC a lot. So it's yeah. actually not surprising no, no, no. to see yeah. him there.
0: Let me rephrase. It's a surprise that he's doing that and not able to get a ride for the 24. That's what I mean. Because he used to. That's fair. He used to race in the GT GTD class um, just after the merger when it was like actual GT Daytona and not GT3. Um, I'm try- I'm struggling to remember what car he was racing with. I feel like it was either Park Place or um, the one that Madison Snow is with currently. Who's that? Paul Miller. That one. I feel like it was either one of those two.
2: I think from Peli was with Change Racing at one point.
0: Oh yeah, it could have been Change Racing as well. Before they moved yeah. to Lamborghini. Let me just... Yeah, the... Um, the, uh, the-
2: Definitely make sure that you watch the uh, the, the CTS series because it's awesome. And also, be... sorry, Ashley Freiberg in the 50 Gmg car. Nice. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, notice that there aren't many women racing. Uh, Freiberg is genuinely a good driver. She's got on the overall podium in the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo with uh, DXDT, and uh, Hopefully she can parlay a good performance here into a drive in GT3 like she did with Turner in prior seasons. So, good luck, Ashley.
1: I do have more notes in that car, but the 33 has Damien Faulkner in it. Very, you know, noticeable driver. Alex Sinclair will be screaming over him Friday.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, Damien Faulkner, uh, for some reason I've associated that name entirely with Ireland.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It has flood the sing in the number fifty. You have you do have Ashley Freiburg, which has raced with. Uh, I believe, they did. She did a race with the Turner BMWs before, right? Yeah, she did. Uh, yeah. And also, she has a co-driver, a Polish co-driver, uh, Gosia Redest. She's also a female, and she won the 24 Hours of Dubai in the GT4 class. So, that's an already incredible accolade. She came, you know, she uh, got and. It's with the same car she won it with, the Audi GT4. So I've, this could be a sleeper in the field. Um, Jeff Mosing is making a step up from Porsche co- competition to GT4 competition, and take a look at the fifty-seven. Indy Dante in a Mercedes GT4. Indy Dante,
2: really?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh
2: yeah, no, no fool, and that's cool.
0: I, I, I don't uh, know who, who that guy is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. D- I don't. I,
1: Mercedes, usually you see this guy in the Mercedes GT3 at major endurance events.
2: Yeah, he's one of that their guy. plug-and-play guys.
1: That that dude. Cool. Number cool. 59 has Jack Roush Jr. in the Ford Mustang GT4. Number 60 in the Ford Mustang GT4 as well. Kyle Marcelli, which I believe is racing in a – he's racing in the Rolex 24. I just can't remember the team name off the top of my head.
2: He's racing with, 3GT uh, Lexus.
1: Yep, that's the one.
2: Yeah, the- the field's pretty deep in, in CTSC. A lot of people wouldn't think of it, but it- it is genuinely going to be a competitive race, so, definitely tune in for that. And
1: that's and a- if you're stuck at school and work, like me, um, I think there's somebody recording it and uploading it,
0: hopefully, before well, the Well, the... didn't- works. didn't this race get- don't- don't all the Conti races get uploaded to YouTube, like, a week and a half afterwards? Uh,
2: no. Later. It's usually two weeks, because that's usually when the Fox Sports broadcast is, but okay. the, they are live-streamed on IMSA-TV uh, yep. with Radio Lamont commentary.
1: But I have the inside scoops of some people. I've been at, well, aka, I've been asking people to record this.
0: Uh, <laughs> so that is on the Friday, before the race? Yep. And that's a four-hour uh-huh. GT4-slash-TCR-slash- sports tuner slash gts race uh well no gts no, not GTS. no gts okay gts is Pirelli world challenge my bad
2: yeah.
1: my bad it's also gt4 G no. C six audis one volkswagen that's pretty much oh hey kuno kuno whitmer's in the 74 audi no yep, way he's, he's gonna
2: be racing with compass for the full season alongside rodrigo sales so that's gonna be pretty cool Nice. But uh, there was actually a scary accident in the roar for uh, JDC Miller with uh, Michael Johnson, who's a paraplegic driver. He uh, had a stuck throttle or something and smashed the car into the wall head on full speed. Actually so injured, we... He actually really injured himself. And luckily for him, he's... Well, Already I shouldn't paraplegic. say luckily for <laughs> him, but his, para- his paraplegic condition led to him not experiencing pain from the accident in, in his leg, which was broken again. But... Uh, oh. He, so,
1: he's got a little bit of recovery to do. We could have been seeing eight cars if the accident didn't happen. Mm. And that was Audi. He crashed in. So, I mean, not much parity in that field. Uh, Street Tuner, Um, you have your Porsche Cayman. You only have three manufacturers in this. Six cars, three makes, Porsche Caymans, a Mini Cooper, and a BMW 328i. So, no Nissan was unfortunately. No and pink it... Nissan this year.
2: And if you love touring car racing, the Mini is set up so that the inside rear tire lifts off the ground under braking, which is just awesome to watch, especially when they're going into turn one.
0: Of course it is. So, uh, yeah, it's
2: it's just it, it's it's just a car guy's dream race car. Basically, it just behaves like it should.
1: And quick note on the Ferrari Challenge races that are happening: um, the Ferrari Challenge Race One is on the Friday morning before the Conti race, and then Race Two is also in the morning of the Rolex 24. So there's racing before the Rolex 24 at the same day. We get you all hyped up, and there's only two notable guys in the Ferrari Challenge North America races. There is uh, Cooper McNeil, which will have a WeatherTech Ferrari Challenge, of course, and Hollywood actor Michael Fassbender. Nice.
0: That's pretty cool.
2: Yep, and uh, if you have the four-day ticket, you will be allowed to enter the facility for the the uh, for our challenge races, so... Not perhaps the most competitive of things to watch, but hey, race cars. Plus, they're all V8s, which is just awesome.
0: Nice. Um, so, we should... And on that note, I feel like it's time to wrap it up. Um, as, as we've mentioned, coverage of the event will be on USCR. We'll have coverage of the qualifying session and the race, as well as the Conti race. And I'm sure that Chris is going to put something together for Ferrari Challenge over on r/blankpain as well.
2: Yep, and there will be a t- full race coverage on IMSA TV for international viewers, Fox Sports Networks for American viewers, and uh, there will be radio coverage by IMSA Radio, which is actually Radio Lamar.
0: Yep. So that's how you watch internationally and in America. And I guess Sin will see you at the track slash on the Magnus stream. Uh, well, I'll, I'll
2: see if I can manage it. But yeah, um, I'm hoping to put some sort of live thing together from the track, question mark. So yep. that'll keep be great. Cool. your eye out for that.
0: Um, yeah. We also, uh, if people remember the. Um, uh, Mexico rap last year we had uh, Baxter on the podcast he's also going to be at the Daytona and he's gonna be uh, around there with like a microphone trying to get some interviews as well so hopefully we should have something before the event or just after the event as well um, yep uh, and uh, Chris uh, I think you'll be the champion of the IRC this weekend as well because unfortunately yep. I won't be able to be watching I will be at work for most of the so- most of the race.
1: So, so that means the second edition of Visit Florida Hour. Oh,
0: God. Oh, yeah. But there's not even a visit. Oh. <laughs> visit Florida, Florida,
2: Florida, Florida. My Florida, Florida, brain Florida, Florida, has been Florida, broken. Florida, Florida, Florida,
0: Florida, Florida. And on that note, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of uh, Endurance Chat. I almost said World Endurance Chat. Um, we, uh, yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy the event and we'll hope to see you for the next uh, installment. Thank you very much.
2: Wait, can you try to sound American again real quick?
0: Hey, uh, guys. Did you know that there's this race in Daytona? That goes for 24 hours? Holy shit!
2: (laughs) You've got the Midwest down. Perfect, Flood.